Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the PD Performance Podcast. This week's podcast is a conversation with Billy O'Regan, who is currently working with Kinetica and down in Corcon and multiple other jobs. That's the type of guy that he is. He's always on the go. So this was a really, really good conversation, really enjoyable. We talked about so much. We talked about coaching. We talked about strength and conditioning. We talked about internships. We talked about sandbag carrying. We talked about switching off in an industry that doesn't really allow you to switch off very often. And we managed to talk about the third test between the Lions and the Springboks. So again, as always, hopefully you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, please remember to like it, share it and send it. So Regan, how are we getting on? What's going on, my friend? How are you? Good. We'll start straight into it. How are you getting on? What's the day been like? You're in the hot seat today, which is a, a different kind of scenario for you to find yourself in. But what's going on? No hanging around anyway. Thanks so much for having me. Um, all is well. All is well. I'm day one of my holidays. So no better way to kick it off, I suppose. I'm heading down to the kingdom this afternoon to hang out there for a week for a bit of R&R. So that's something I've been looking forward to now for a while. It's been a fairly hectic few months, if I'm honest. A really enjoyable few months, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, just, yeah, thanks so much for this opportunity to chat because, you know, it's always good to chat to fellow coaches and colleagues and learn as much as I can. So... Thank you for this chance. Absolutely. I take this chance with both arms now when we get into it. But um, that's what I was, I was going to say. Like, you've been flat out over the last while because even trying to organize this, we were like trying to get the schedules to line up. And yeah, being quite busy, it can be hard, but we finally got it over the line. And I'm just interested to know what the life of Billy O'Regan looks like because I know you're going down to Kerry now to take a few GoPro videos and you'll have them for us all to look at. Um, hopefully you'll get out in the golf course, but you're always at something and you're doing so many jobs at once. So t- take me through, say, Monday of this week, I suppose, or Tuesday, either or. All right, cool. No worries. It's like I'm a stickler for routine. You know, if I'm out of routine or out of whack, I, I, I let it kind of get to me. So to kind of stick to some form of plan, which I have been doing quite well, to be honest, like taking Monday, that'd be kind of day two of my week. I try to take Sunday as day one and just get myself sorted, both from like, you know, a physical and a mental point of view. So like in terms of training, which, you know, is, uh, I suppose being health, being like a core value training is well up there. So, um, yeah, in terms of training, I always go to the pitch on Sunday morning with a few lads from the team and get our tempos done, you know, just have a chat, get our tempos done, just have a bit of crack. Um, and I just really feel like that sets me up nicely for the week. Um, and then straight into Monday. So I suppose just going back a few months, I recently got a role with Connecticut Nutrition for listeners who may not be aware are, an Irish-based sports nutrition brand with global ambitions. So they recently launched in the UAE and Kinetic are now in all most European com- countries. So it's really energetic kind of startup feel to it, but like a great team and something I'm really grateful for to get in there because it just feels like you're really part of something. So that takes up most of my week then. It's like, it's not necessarily nine to five because what job is these days? So, you know, Monday morning, I, I always train early. I have to train early. If I don't train my day is not nowhere near as good as it could have been. Like, I, like it, I just need to set myself up nicely and get the ball rolling nice and early so I can kind of perform and, and, and be, I suppose, just be awake, you know? Like, 
and make contributions where I can be on the ball. So training is kind of meditative for me um, and it really helps me get into that state. So for the rest of the week, then it's just, you know, as is Monday, like train in the morning, get home, get to work and um, see how the day plans out. I train with the team up in Con on Tuesday evenings, which again is so like, I think everybody needs to be part of something um, in terms of sport or some outlet where you can go meet people and, and, and just kind of, chat kind of leave some stress off be it physical or just kind of getting out and sitting down like having a, an ice cream like it doesn't matter what it is but I just think that helps me so much and throughout COVID and um, like we still try to keep that kind of going be it the tempos midweek or whatever it was and um, just because that team environment is something that um, has always been important to me but and then on Wednesdays are, is a rest day so I kind of have a bit of a lie-in and I kind of get to work straight away I might go for a walk Wednesday morning actually listen to a podcast um whatever is going on it's usually off the ball or the high performance podcast or there's also joe dispenza i don't know if you've heard of joe dispenza he's um uh he's like a neuro he's a neuro neurologist kind of like he's huge into the power of uh, positive thinking optimism and all this but like i was only chatting to him to my girlfriend about him the other day and saying like listening to like a 15 minute block of his podcast or something just really helps you you know have that positive outlook on your day like it's just like right you know he kind of resets you no matter how your day has gone or the days previous have gone like it just gets you back into a good space so Wednesday's kind of a rest day and then back in the gym on Thursday and I or excuse me back in the gym or I train in my garden on Thursday and Friday and uh, Saturday then I just chill out and just have been enjoying the uh the rugby and, and the Olympics so far so yeah long may it last I think I'm in a good routine it's kind of really working for me and that's the thing it's like I think it's like for any person is just finding what works for them and sticking with it and kind of juice it for all it's worth like you know because in the end of the day you just want to feel your best don't you yeah 100 percent. and we're creatures of habit as well so i'd be very similar in that i have a structure to the week and i like to adhere to it we shout out connecticut as well there so we did so um the tastiest protein company in the world irish milk as well so i've learned that when i was very very young I remember <laughs> I, I was on the Connecticut straight away and I've been on it ever since. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm paying your wages essentially, man. <laughs> but yeah, like, and then I'm just interested in terms of training in the morning. I know we're talking training, we'll get into the business side and work environment as we go. But right. um, have you always preferred training in the morning? Do you perform better in the morning than in the evening, do you think? Yeah, I would say 100%. Um... You know, it's funny, like going back into like maybe school, fourth year, fifth year, you know, in rugby, for me anyway, it was kind of everything. Like I didn't really have the awareness to look outside of it. It's just like, you know, that was what I loved doing. And, and like, that's where you feel like you could express yourself in a sense. But the gym was always, I was always terrified of the gym, like injury, like imagine being injured and not being able to actually do what you love and so on. Like, so, you know, that was never really part of it, like training only became a massive part of my life for me probably coming up to leaving start at the end of sixth year when I had some weight issues and inverted commas like I may have packed on a few pounds which we can talk about um, and I just had to get some help in 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 kind of getting back or kind of feeling good and and learning about the gym was so helpful like my dad was going to a PT at the time and he set me up once or twice a week with her and she was huge for my development like to kick off and light that fuse you know so like just to answer your question like yes training for me in the morning that's how I start my day I think that will never change although like and this is an exclusive I have a baby boy on the way in October oh, congrats. so 
Thank you very much. So things might change a small bit, but like my girlfriend loves training so much as well. And she's a morning trainer also. So it's kind of like some, some, there's going to have to be some give and take there. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, it sets me up for the day. It, my day goes exponentially better when I do train. It's something that I've done for the last number of years. And yeah, how long may it last? Like, you know? Yeah. I'm just, I'm interested because if you're thinking in terms of circadian rhythm, like I know that I train awfully in the morning terribly i've been told i'm not a morning person but i find that i'm very very productive in the morning so Mm -hmm. i have a late breakfast and i work the whole way through and i find that works for me and it's just finding what works for you as you said but i've always been a good evening trainer and that's why when it comes to like games and things like that i always preferred friday night games because i felt i played better and, and there is some studies that would show that you should train at the same time that you play. And I've just found that that works for me. So in contrast to you, I like to train to end the workday because once I train, then I know once I'm finished training, that's me finished. I'm done yeah. and I'm logged off. Whereas you're the opposite. You're like, it hypes you up and gets you going for the workday. And that's just, that's different people, you know? So whatever works for you is whatever works for you. But mm-hmm getting into how you're going to structure your time now with the baby boy on the way like what is the most daunting part of that or or what have you been thinking about in time in terms of implementing kind of best practice to get the best out of everything because you're doing so many things at once I think I wrote in the notes for this you're trying to kill about five birds with one stone rather than two birds with one stone so how do you manage your time that well yeah it's like I think we all have our extremes like you know what's what's balanced to one person is the complete opposite to another person so like i mentioned it a second ago it's just like in terms of of your of values it's like you know health family and progression is kind of the things for me like it's like i find if i feel if i'm not progressing i'm stressing out if if i'm not getting on with a family member which rarely has happened but like you know we just want to sort that straight away and then the whole training health side of things just helps me to try to perform my best so like i suppose what i'm fearful of is just the fear of the unknown like you know nobody's ever i suppose ready to be in charge of a young child like but it's so so exciting you know what i mean it's it's just it's added a huge buzz to my family and my girlfriend's family so like it's kind of just one of those things it's like obviously life is going to change immediately i have every single person in my ear who's been there telling me that so I just can't wait for it. You know what I mean? And, and what will be, will be. We'll just, I'll just roll with the punches. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's done going with things, you know, making, thinking about things true and just having a bit of a cop on in a sense has worked out so far, so far, like, you know, in the last number of years. So hopefully it remain the same. And um, in terms of killing number of birds with a few stones and stuff, it's like, you know, I, I think I've just found a place now at the moment where, which, as you said, works for me. It's like, I just want to keep the main thing, the main thing in a sense. Like training is one thing, but really working hard and getting stuck into my role in Connecticut and trying to make a positive difference is absolutely a priority at the moment as well. Um, And I just find from doing my thing in the morning just helps me to be that person to kind of, to achieve what I want to achieve within, within the company. So yeah, well, I'll have to, we'll have to chat again, uh, maybe a few months after I have my baby see what changes have been there but you know until the day that he arrives i'm just going to keep doing i'm just going to keep going with it for now i don't know how we're going to find the time to get you in in a few months <laughs> because you don't have the time already but uh, yeah look it's very exciting isn't it it's great like and it, that's part of life as well and 
as you said, you seem to be very good at taking responsibility. So the responsibility side of it shouldn't be too daunting for you. But I'm interested now because obviously you're working with Connecticut and your undergraduate was in food science, was it? So yeah, correct. Food then, business, yeah. yeah, food business. So then you went and you did the master's in strength and conditioning. Yeah. Are you still doing any coaching or is it just that Sunday morning just to break up the week and, and get some kind of different kind of stimulus in terms of work, I suppose? Yeah, I'm still, I still do online coaching. So I have a number of clients online, which I actually do online Zoom still, even though one of them is in Cork. We have, again, just time has been a challenge for both of us. So we haven't had a chance to train, but we're continuing online, which is fine. Um, and then I'm just coaching up in Con, just helping out as much as I can in terms of the prep and the juniors for whenever our season kicks off again. Um, I had to leave over the last few months. Like last year, I was with the under-16s up in Con, which was unbelievable. I mean... That's one thing I had to let slide, just in terms of priorities, like you know yourself. And that, so that's gone and something I miss, but hopefully I'll get in, I'm getting involved with the GA team here soon enough again. So maybe towards the end of August, even if it's just for a couple of weeks, because at least that will kind of keep me fresh, you know what I mean? And, and, and just help me kind of, you know, be in what I love being in the end of the day. I love being out in the pitch with a, a group of lads or ladies or whatever it is. So... Yeah, coaching, like continuing as much as I can online two days a week. Uh, that comes after work in the evening time. Um, I have a couple of clients in the States and then just one here in Cork. So it works out nicely. Um, and so far, so good with that. Unreal. So that online stuff, is it's kind of like it's virtual. It's via Zoom. So you're there with them for the hour or however long it is. And you're coaching yeah. through the session. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. OK, deadly. And then you are, are you doing any online programming or other than that, is it just kind of the back end sales like the be ready training programs that we're going to get into? I actually purchased the be robust. It must be nearly a year since I purchased yeah. that and I started using it on pitch with the CCR boys and I still I use it myself still. I'm after getting back into it since I sent you the message to come on about a month ago. Um, mm. I just said as in terms of research and I'm planning on going back playing if I can be if I can get the time um I said I might as well start it again so is it just the back end stuff other than that and what was the thoughts behind those programs and making them and so yeah it's it's a funny one like I suppose it all kind of stemmed from my internship actually and just being over under the tutelage of of Kirwan and Flat and just I suppose the business acumen in mind that he has um really kind of you know in terms of being like anti-fragile and robust as possible and so on which are all the buzzwords in snc at the moment but like it just makes sense you got to look after number one like right so it kind of came from that and what was going to be a website with a podcast turned into a podcast with a website generally and when i got home and i'm just kind of setting up everything and going through i had a number of online clients and i just found like the energy and time it took me it and i really wanted to kind of maintain that because i just i really always love the individual side of things so to know that this person's program is completely individualized for their needs, like it just comforted me and I'm sure it would have comforted them as well. But it just took like the time, the return for the time you're putting in wasn't enough for me. So that's where the back end side of things came up. And especially at the very beginning of COVID, when it was pretty much just Google Documents, like and just adding emails to a Google document so people could work through it. And then I just transferred whatever programs I created over into to be ready, which I have as the back end now, and they can continue ticking over. And it's been great. People like people are enjoying it. Like it gives people consistency in, in their routine. And like the main thing for me is that enjoyment side of things that they can get in there. They know what they're doing. 
before they go in so they know like if they're in a busy gym or whatever obviously not at the moment but they just have to go to a corner grab their stuff and get their training done so I think that's a huge part of of training for people it's like the fear of going into a gym and wondering what they're going to do and then they hit a roadblock or they just kind of you know they have that excuse that they won't be able to get their session done and so on just so so it's so important for people to remain consistent I think so that's where it kind of stemmed from um, and then I just built on it because people were finishing up their phase one be ready base and they wanted more so you know it was a huge challenge for me still is a huge challenge for me you know with the amount of information out there at the moment you're kind of constantly second guessing yourself naturally but yeah it's just like it keeps me ticking over in that sense as well I know that I'll always have that in the background if if things go you know if things go belly up hopefully be ready I'll be able to just continue with that so it all came from care when I'm flat and and just thinking about like how you're going to make yourself or make the most from this life and look after yourself because things can go like that. And then um, here, here we are. So going well so far in the same breath, you know, it's not going it, to, it wouldn't, it's not going to get me a mortgage. I gotta, I gotta get other things. And, and here we are. So, you know, very much a side gig. Okay. So the first question I have was obviously I've only done the be robust and I just found when I started it, I was so crap at it, but after a couple of weeks, like literally, actually, probably a week after a week of doing it, you just see your improvement and your growth like exponential. Like you get so good at it so fast, but it's just missing from so many people's programs. Where was the inspiration behind that Be Robust? Did that come from the likes of Andy Ryland and the crawling kind of variations that he employs and his Strength Coach Network presentation, which we're kind of giving care a plug here now as well? Um, <laughs> but not that he needs <laughs> was that where it came from to be honest like he has obviously been a huge inspiration to me but like as I mentioned earlier it's like injury was a huge fear of mine all the time I remember back in junior cup like just getting this back pain every time I try to step off my right and it just you know you'd be in the physio and you, you wouldn't really there wouldn't be a solution you just go back to the physio when it happened again you know so over the years then, like, as I said, fourth and fifth year, hated training, just want to, wanted to remain, sorry, hated gym just because I wanted to remain injury-free and I didn't know what to do in there. So when I started with my dad's PT, even back then, you know what I mean? Like, she was um, a stickler for, like, session planning and a thorough warm-up, like, activation and, and everything that goes with it. So through that then, I just always employed at the beginning of your workouts, just kind of, like, core work per se like you know side planks or it could be like in a, a push-up position just rolling a med ball from arm to arm and I just realized like how much better I felt you know it's like hips felt freer shoulders felt mint and as the years went on I kind of lost it because I was in I got into CrossFit I was working in a CrossFit gym for years and <laughs> although I tried to like there's so much um involved in your normal crossfit session you know you have you have an hour basically you get in you, you do your warm-up whatever but like in terms of lifting you're, you're into your power cleans into your strength work and that kind of side of things just that in you know that kind of um focus specific work that is so valuable was just was just lost and at the same in the same sense injuries started occurring you know you know crossfit is crossfit like and that will happen and um, but looking looking after myself was another part of it which i probably didn't do as much as i should have and once i introduced that then like you could kind of manage it in a sense but working in a gym and looking after group classes you have to be seen to be working out and i kind of felt a pressure in that way as well so 
yeah, it's like bringing it back in. Then once I finished up in CrossFit and kind of making the most of feeling as good as I can, like you kind of realize there was something in it. Never did I employ it with a group of people until I saw the Kieran, the lads over in William and Mary. And of course, Andy Ryland as well with his presentation on, on the Strength Coach Network, which was just unbelievable. So even to kind of be able to chat to him about these movements and like the benefits that they employ was kind of, you know, it was it was huge. It was it was huge for me. And then introducing it like and having a kind of a, a legitimacy to it when you're when you're having a group of lads do it on a field, then it, it just when worlds collide i suppose and they're asking like why is this why is that like and doesn't that just it kind of makes sense to them if you know what i'm saying so um yeah like andy ryland been a huge inspiration kieran scott has have been massive as well um but up to that i have been kind of just focusing on it on, on my own rather than just kind of um employing it with with teams human guinea pig we're all human guinea pigs the great thing about it is that you don't need any equipment for majority of it and you just get it done and back when I was doing speed sessions in the first school I was in, uh, the lads would be always asking before the speed sessions, would we get would we get the bands out and do loads of band work to activate our glutes? And I used to just get down the floor there, hold a side plank for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And we'll go. And because like that's what the studies show, most activation like from a side plank. So it's just about convenience sake as well, because you know when the when a group of lads are all doing band work none of them are concentrating on it properly because they're all just chatting moving side to side and chatting away and that's good as well because it is their socialization part of their day and they're talking to their friends but i just found in school you have to make the session run as efficiently as possible because you don't have all day because their school day is just packed with everything between study food uh, going to classes you don't have the time so just for flow of the session just get the body weight stuff done in terms of prep as early as you can um, and then it flows well and the be robust just employing that with the lads then as well just helped me add a little bit of variation so I wasn't doing the same things over and over again for for um, for activation because with young lads if you're doing the same thing two sessions in a row by the second session they're already bored of it you know um, so you just and because uh, in a session, it can be fairly rigid in terms of structure. If you can make the warm up as chaotic as possible, it can be good as well. So that's why the crawling variations, um, incorporating your stuff and the activation stuff you have there into the crawling kind of games that Andy Ryland uh, brought were really, really good. And the other thing that I was interested in there was obviously you were working in the CrossFit gym. You don't have time for the activation stuff in a CrossFit session because you're in, get it done, get out. And the other thing is, even though there's say specific developmental kind of exercises in a CrossFit session, uh, well, a lot of them are, it's a general session because you're trying to make it apply to the whole group. So you're not getting the specific stuff that you need, even though you might be getting good um, training in and you're getting good stuff in, in terms of to drive adaptation, you're not getting the stuff you might be getting the stuff that you want all the time, but you might be getting the stuff that you need. So did you start to incorporate any of that stuff in with the groups that you were taking in that gym? So looking back at, at CrossFit, it was like five years of my life, you know, it's, it's and you, you hit a roadblock, you know, you hit a roadblock within a number of years, you're not progressing, you kind of, and you get to a place, I, I got to a place where I was like, you know, I joke about it with my girlfriend as well, it's like, you know, I actually thought that I could take, coaches and coach them you know so you don't know what you don't know 
and I learned that pretty fucking day one when I was over William and Mary as well. It's like, there's just, there's levels to this. So being in such a small environment, in one gym in Cork, where that's, you, you think it's everything. You think you don't really necessarily look outside it. Like, and social media was actually only getting big over that time as well. It was only growing and stuff. So did I use it? Did I use it in warmups? I always, because the fun is a huge element of CrossFit, and I mean, I mean that seriously, like it's like the social side of things is wonderful and it's so important. So like you're trying to use different warm up games and whatever it is, like it might be, you know, holding the bottom of a pistol if you can or throwing a tennis ball to each other in that single arm position or whatever it is, you know. So like, but, but I never put it on paper. You know what I mean? It was just like, what can we do today? As you said, that can be a little bit of fun, drive the crack and set the set the atmosphere here. In the end of the day, it's a business. You want people coming back. You want people leaving there going, I can't wait to come back in for more. So, like, in that sense, yes. But, like, to put it on paper, it didn't fucking dawn on me. Yeah. Um, and then when I came back from the States, you know, chatting to James Key, who was my colleague and fellow intern over there, and we just decided to put this on paper and see what we can make of it. You know, he was, he's been really helpful in my development as well, just because he's been working in, he was working in Wellington for a number of years and, like, in your position with, with youth athletes and so on. So when we could kind of bounce ideas off each other and and stuff like that so i think that's what really made like with be robust you just want to make it as clear as possible you know your two sessions a week progress it not so much just make sure that you own those positions and hit the, those areas such as the shoulder the hip and so on that people tend to get injured in just because they haven't trained in those positions you know it's like expose yourself to these areas you realize the realization factor is huge especially when you're dealing with a bunch of junior rugby players up and gone who can't necessarily, they couldn't do it. Um, they always mind me saying this, a set of 10 push-ups, you know? A, a nice set of 10 push-ups, 90% of them would laugh at you, like, and they, they, they enjoy laughing at it, like, you know what I mean? They're like, I don't care kind of a thing. They don't care until their shoulder's popping out of their arm, like, you know? So, yeah, it's like incorporated to a point, but not put on paper. And I'm glad we have it now, because we'll always have it. And, like, we can always build in it as well. We want we we still need to progress it onwards by introducing the whole partner side of things. So adding that extra bit of chaos just before you obviously, I suppose, phase three, where where you're actually training to play. So we'll see where we go with that. Might pick your brain on that one actually in your in your spare time because feedback is always welcomed. But um, yeah, to have it on paper uh, and for it to be effective is was big for us, and we're, we're delighted with it. One hundred percent, and you should be. It's interesting talking about the junior rugby as well as any amateur rugby because I'm always it always puzzles me as to why clubs don't look to employ someone to look after their athletes because if you think about if you just think about a professional level athletes right and the other thing is the amount of subs this is a big bugbear of mine the amount of subs in the AL that are allowed if the athletes aren't as fit as professional athletes but they're still playing the same length of game does that not mean that they're going to fatigue quicker so they'd be more likely to get injured? So therefore, rather than having less subs, they should have more subs to so that you get less people injured so that you can play the game to the highest level as possible. The other thing is, a lot of the time, if they're not in the know, and it's not their fault, as you said, you don't know what you don't know, a lot of coaches might batter their athletes in training and expect them to get better. But what they're actually doing is probably more harmful than good. And then they're sending out in their their athletes onto a pitch in a pre-fatigued state where they're not allowed to even bring on more than five subs on game day and then they end up with all these injuries and it's like why are the injuries happening so like it's good to have you there especially for a junior rugby club to be looking after the lads 
and like as well as that it sounds like all the places that you've been in have had a very good culture and you talking about crossfit and bringing people back it's that culture that brings people back and the same thing about having a laugh at training with the lads in the junior rugby club if it's no fun then they're not going to come back but just yeah. because you're employing kind of performance-based principles and strength and conditioning principles as we just talked about doesn't mean it doesn't have to be fun that's the number Absolutely. one thing to create buy-in isn't it I 100% agreed. Um, now, like in, in core Constitution, like they have a top class setup in terms of the coaching staff and, and the senior team, and they've got that down. When you come down to the junior level, then you know I kind of I joke about it with the lads as well. It's like, yeah, you're going to fatigue sooner, but in the same in the same sense, like, do they have the ability or can they express the speed and power required to actually put yourself at risk? You know what I mean? So, like, there you go with like. most injuries within junior are going to be contact based like you know so like that's that's one that's just one area where you have to focus on you have everything else like speed work is another thing that i started employing you know so that they can actually develop like to actually to increase those outputs so they can see it on the field particularly with the guys who you know you know you know there's a group who are yes there for the social side which is everyone is but there's also guys who want to perform so like to introduce you know, your jumps, hops, your bounding in these warm-ups and like, so they can actually feel it then straight away when you're, when, when you're, when you head out to play, like in that training session, but onto the, onto the pitch then you feel more activated and they start to miss it. If they don't have it, or if, if a warm-up wasn't done, they want, they want it back in. So like, that's when you know these things are kind of working, but like, of course you can always add the fun element to it. Be it a five meter sprint. If it's a five meter sprint, if you're on your stomach and you're racing against someone, that's going to be a bit of crack, like you know. And um, if there's a if there's an opportunity to hand trip someone from behind, who wouldn't want to do that? Like you know what I mean? So yeah, the fun side of things is huge. I can see it in the senior team as well. Like they have good fun. Also, like in in terms of like injury reduction and so on. Like with those senior team, with the players, like the whole squad, like being younger now. Like they're all coming from school and so on and. And wherever they go, like if they, they go to UC or Connor, whatever it is. But these guys are athletes. Like, you know, they've been in the gym. Like, they didn't have what we had. Like, I, there's no way I was going to the gym, like, seriously for fourth year or fifth year, trying to get bigger and better and stronger, whatever it is. But these guys have. So I think there's that natural robustness element as well. But definitely in terms of, like, the contact prep and stuff, yeah, you can get more specific and isolate and, and try to kind of, like, highlight asymmetries a little bit far easier then when you kind of, like, have a group on, on the pitch and most of them wouldn't have done that side of things before you know a barometer performance would be a bench like how much can you bench i think that will that will always be the way because it's good crack as well you know yeah. so um you know i think strength will always be will always be number one but to kind of just offer uh, other areas where people can and need to and benefit from to work on and benefit from players will always be appreciative of that whether they're there for a social side or to actually uh, perform in game day you took the words out of my mouth there in terms of it making me reflect back on the conversation I had with Lauren Gilfoyle about injury risk reduction and performance are one and the same and that they're the one spectrum. So if we can work to specifically look to improve performance, whether that be in the contact area even, and it's in terms of the technique that they're using as well as their uh, strength at specific joint angles and specific positions, we're simultaneously improving the performance and while improving the performance we're also reducing the risk of injury so it's great to work on both um, at the same time we've touched on now without touching on it a few times is the internship over at William and Mary so Mm. I'd like to delve into that working with Kieran working with Scott 
Uh, what, like you've already touched on a lot of learnings over there. What was the experience like over there as a whole? And what were the biggest things you took away from that? Six months, was it six months you were over there? Yeah, it was, it was actually three months. So maybe just over, just over three months. Um, and it was unbelievable. Like I suppose, you know, you always, when I went back to do my master's, First of all, I suppose I just better explain why I did go back and do my master's because when I came to the when when I came to like that roadblock in CrossFit, I may have stuck around an extra year, but I was looking around for like, you know, what's the next step? Like, and I didn't know. Like, I always, you know, you want to become more profi- proficient in like tr- learning, learning and coaching and training and everything that goes with it. But like, I didn't know that SNC was a career, so it's kind of like, what am I going to do? I just looked at my options and, and a role came up in Dublin with the company up there and um, which I went up and, and worked for a year with kind of did some online work up there as well, just with a couple of clients. But I, I, I thought I was keeping my foot more in it than I actually was. And then I realized how much I missed it. Like long story short, came to the end, like towards the end of the year working in that company, I was like, this is going nowhere. So um, I started looking around for more jobs up there and I was looking in like UCD in Dublin and kind of like more gym related jobs, nothing came up, but like, before I left my role, like my parents had me warned, like you better have a plan in place, like, you know, so it was like sweet, I was looking up masters, SNCs, obviously it was a huge interest of mine. And I said like, okay, I'm gonna do that and I'm just gonna stick with it then. So went into my masters and that's where you're talking to other people and you're hearing about guys who may be in the States or who may have progressed or, you know, what people's roles are once they leave the course and so on. And a friend of mine, new Ian Jones. I don't know if you've heard of him. He'd be a, a great guy to get on the podcast. Actually, he's assistant director of performance in Wagner in the States, but he had been over in the States. Like he was probably one of the first Irish guys to get over there. Like, and he was working with what I think was the Houston Texans. Um, so he, he would have interned with them and then he got a role with them. And I, I was listening to my friend talk about this and I'm going like, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. And then we had a, a talk with a man called Mark Cleary, who'd be another great guy for the podcast. He works with Oracle, who are a bioanalytics company. So he gave, an, he gave one of the best talks I've ever witnessed in my entire life about internships. And I was there sitting there and you could have a question time at the end. And I was just like, question after question. So I was like, I have to get over to the States. And he had been in the University of Virginia. So you know, I'm a big believer in the positive thinking and you attract what you want and all this kind of stuff. So I was like looking up like, you know, how are you going to get there? Um, I was always a, a fan of Kirwan and Flat for years, which is a different story. And out of nowhere, one day towards the end of April, I was sat in my office trying to do my master's thesis. And I saw Kira naturally go on Instagram and go on to stories and he's looking for an intern. And I DM'd him, I was like, you know, what do I got to do here kind of a thing and he just told me he sent me back Scott's email address and said email him with your CV <laughs> you know as, as blunt as ever so I did and within 15 minutes I was on an interview and I was out there then the following weekend like or the following Monday morning so uh, you know things fa- happened fairly quick there like so three months in I remember walking in the first morning and just seeing uh, the lads just out in this hall area just doing med ball trolls and I was going like, oh, baby, like, here we go, you know. So the main learnings, like, man, you know, you're, you're coming home with a plane and you're not even thinking straight. It takes like another few months to actually um, synopsize what went on. But overall, it's the high performance model. Everyone being on the same page, you know. I, I think it was, um, I think it was Keir Arscott that told, tells the story of when JFK was walking through NASA and he asked the janitor what he was doing as he was sweeping the floor. And the janitor's answer was, I'm getting a man on the moon here kind of a thing. So it's like 
when everyone's invested in helping these athletes be the best they can be, and um, there's not a lot that can go wrong. So like a lot of culture, well, bar the obvious, but culture comes into it hugely. Um, and just to see how they kind of communicated between the team, the staff, um, all the athletes, but like just the buzz they had there as well. They had a really good bond with the players. And you know yourself uh, coaching, like, and, and definitely coming from a CrossFit side of things, that that kind of one-on-one connection relationships is, is a massive part in getting what you mo- getting the most for them as well so that's another area where you're kind of like okay this will really help like i suppose um that would have been one of my strengths anyway kind of as, aside from any of the coaching side of things because all these athletes are unbelievable movers you know it's like there are a lot of them are scholarships like you're not going to help them to fix their squad or whatever it is like so the, the best thing is just kind of help them feel as comfortable as they can and get them what they want when they want it so that was my kind of strength I found the kind of link up and during the time as well over there you know I was pushing on I was like 30 years old getting to it when I was over there so you're kind of going I'm looking at my fellow internships or interns who are like early 20s and I'm going they have 10 years on me you know it's I was like it's going to be another 10 years for me to get be able to scratch the surface of what Karen Scotty can can do in a way can do in a way can, with our with our style of programming and with our knowledge and what Scott can do on an Excel sheet, mate, is we're never going to get to that. Yeah, yeah never <laughs> get to that. Yeah, absolutely, like and like I hadn't even I hadn't even thought of those things. You know what I mean? It's like the data that they take took me session everything and kind of snap sizing it and going from there. That's something that just wasn't even in my mindset. Like so, yeah, that's that was a kind of just completely outside my stratosphere. But yeah, it's just kind of like. You can just sum it up by saying, like, until you experience what what is done in a high performance setting, it's like you can't even imagine what you can do or to help these players, you know. So during that time, then I was thinking, like, okay, where do my strengths lie? As I said, like, and where am I going to go with this? And I only kind of realized over the next few months when I got home, it's like, is coaching the best way for me? Like, is it actually? Is it only ever going to be a side gig and so on? Um, and it turns out now, now it is. So everything happens for a reason, you know. What's for you won't pass you. I went over there, I had an unbelievable time, met some class people, um, working alongside the world's best of what they do, like. And I found out in the end, like maybe it's not for me, and that's enough for me to take from it. You know what I mean? But yeah, I hope that answers your question some some way, shape, or form. But that's pretty much a synopsis of my my experience there yeah i'm interested though i'm re- like obviously i'm interested in how they connect with the athletes and how they facilitate their development but i'm yeah. really interested in terms of that high performance coaching environment and how they maintain those relationships as a group and how they operated together to yeah. put their best foot forward i suppose in terms of the whole organization what were mm. some of the practices that they kind of did? Was it just simple stuff? Because I know you're always joking about, about going for coffees and, and <laughs> staying on the same page. Did you all have the one office? Were you in separate offices? Did you have a weekly meetings, daily meetings? Or how did you operate that? So Eric Coram, who you're probably f- familiar with, uh, was High Performance Director at William & Mary. And I, uh, he was the glue, basically. He really understood care. Um, going in, go, being an Englishman, being being the rugby guy again in commas, going into an, uh, a setup in the states, like I suppose not a lot of people are gonna like get him or under, understand from his point of view. But my God, you know, you know how good he is at what he does. But Eric understood that because Eric saw him present, and you know, Eric is a great guy, and he can his judgment of character is top class as well. So he was the glue between the team the the high perform the the coaches and everybody else and um, 
I never got to sit in on one of their monthly meetings where I've heard Kerr speak about it, where they'd have the sports coaches and the SNC coaches in one office and they both need to know what they're trying to develop, where they're trying to develop it and, and where they're going to go with it. So like, I can only assume that that was, you know, to, to be able to sit in one of those would have been pretty, would have been pretty slick, but we didn't get to sit in there. What in terms of offices, yeah, there was one office where the, the coaches would hang out, kind of, you know, it's just inside the gym. And again, like you just, you could really sense off, Kieran and Scotty that they obviously took off straight away in terms of um, they were there to get the most from these athletes, but they needed to get the most in, in return. Like, so they really bantered off each other really well. So I think that helped the team in general. Obviously, it's going to be it's going to be spilled over from the team. Then they really see like Scotty's and Kieran's respect for each other. So I think they're immediately on board. What I could see from it, they were anyway. But to answer your question from the high performance side of things. Yeah, they would be in communication every day. The athletic trainers, the physiotherapists and so on would all be on the same page um, and they'd be updating each other constantly, be it through like Google Sheets and data analytics to the monthly meetings where the sports, sports coaches were involved as well. I'm interested as well in terms of just the matchup between Eric, Kier and Scott. And I would say it's kind of a match made in heaven because... Yeah. I've ran into the problems in the past that I would imagine Kier may run into the odd time in that I'm very much, if I'm communicating with someone, this is the way it is and this is the way that, and this is why it's that way. Uh, here's a bit of humor so that you don't think I'm a dickhead. Um, <laughs> but it's good to have that one-two punch, I suppose, and that's why it works so well in that they had the lads that were able to have a softer touch. And maybe it's a thing from coming from Maybe it's a personality thing. Maybe it's a strength and conditioning coach kind of tradition kind of uh, and the hyper-efficiency model of our minds, I suppose. Or maybe it's something about coming from Ireland and England and the self-deprecating kind of humour that we kind of use here. And because in Ireland, you know yourself, you're from Cork, like people just tell you what they think. Like there's no hidden agenda. It's just this is the way it is. But I'd be interested, maybe I'd have to have a conversation with one of them as to how they buzzed off each other and how that worked. And you know the way, like, you're probably the best person to talk to about this, going over to the States. You know when you're over to the States and you make a joke and they think you're full on serious about what you said. Did you encounter any of that? Could they understand the Cork accent or did they take, take you as a, a bit of Cork charm? Was that easy <laughs> for them to kind of operate or did they get your humour at all? I... Do you know what? It's funny, like, we have this obviously saying in Ireland where we say stop, you know? <laughs> Whatever, stop. It took, it took about two or three weeks for, I can't, can't remember which one it was. It was either Taylor or James, the other two interns, like, you know, what is, why, why you keep saying stop? Like, what do you want us to stop? Kind of thing. And I just explained to myself, oh no, I'm in it. I'm agreeing with you kind of a thing. So yeah, like from, you know, there's always going to be a barrier and kind of like, I talk fast enough at the best of times. So over there, I have to really slow things down. But they, you know, they're not stupid. Like they're, they, they can work out pretty soon and like realize that you probably just want, you want the best for them as well. So no matter what you're saying or how you're saying it, like body language or, you know, overall persona, I suppose, just like says, says more than anything really, doesn't it? And care isn't one to, as you know, back down. So like, he's not going to change for anybody. He's going to be him. And I love that about him, you know, it's like no matter where he goes, who he's with. And that was the great thing as well of like following him for years online and then going over and seeing like, he's exactly the same person. It's kind of like, you know, meet your heroes in a sense. And um, so like the, one of the first things I asked him was, um, 
we're in the car, we're in the car going to some shop, probably for a nice coffee or something. And I said, like, do you ever miss home? And his answer was, don't let, don't let anything ever get in the way of your goals, you know? So I was like, this guy is laser focused. He's not going to stop at anything. And, um, and I love it. Like, so yeah, language barriers. Yes. Uh, vocabulary issues. Absolutely. But um, it didn't, you know, I didn't have to change anything too much. <laughs> yeah. Don't change yourself for other people unless it's for yeah. the better, obviously. And, yeah. and for the betterment of the whole situation. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that's that's a great little anecdote, actually. Um, so now I want to talk a little bit more about your own training, because I was very interested in the sandbag study that you ran um, there last month. Was it uh, you carried every day for the month? Yeah, it's like like sandbags, like what an unbelievable tool, you know. Um, so when it comes to a Dan John and heavy carries, uh, Julian Pino and Richard Aceves from StrongFit, are also huge um, proponents of carries. And that's where I kind of first tagged onto it. Like obviously in, when you're coaching, you're always going to use carries in a sense, like be it your front rack, farmer's carries, overhead, whatever it is. But the sandbag one, like just because gyms didn't have them. So I was just intrigued to get my hands on one and to see what you can do. So last year I got my hands on one anyway, and I haven't looked back. Like they're, they're just like, the great thing about them is how robust they are. But when you pick them up, you're working immediately. You know, the study, my 30 day study, happened because my friend got his hands on one as well so I was like we're doing this 30 day carry and you're doing it like let's go and and it was class like it actually what what started off being a hassle what became like my favorite part of the day and it kind of reminded me of like I don't know if you've seen what you probably absolutely have the University of Texas on YouTube um, like Cardinal Mac Raven did a mint talk there to college students and like he talks about like making your bed in the morning because when you come back that night, no matter how bad your day went, the bed's made. Same thing with sandbags. Like, no matter how bad your day went, you end on a high, like, you know, because I did that actually at the, end, at the end of the day. And after work, I just go grab it and go. And, you know, it's like, no matter how bad your day went, you come back off that sandbag and you just feel liberated. It's some form of runner's high, I get off it, you know, without having to go for a 5K or whatever it is. Or, but you do get the same feeling. What I found from it, like, you know, you're going to compensate in some way, shape or form regardless of how long your, you know, your body will look for the easiest way out. Yeah. Um, so my, my lower back would be lighting up for the first, when I started using sandbags, like, like straight away, it would just go there, you know, just take over. And all that means listening to Richard Alcides was you just got to change something. So be it like more pec engagement, your posture, slight lean back, change your breathing, just change anything. And you soon just learn what works for you. Like the overall goal was to connect with your hamstrings and the glutes they're going to be your they're your structure like you know your stabilizer that you want to use so i have not mastered that i i I can get there sometimes but sometimes most times i can't and i love the way you can experiment with it so much so like i'll do a carry of some form every day now like it doesn't it's not it's not a farmer's carry or excuse me it's not a sandbag carry every day Mm. although i will do it a few times a week but like it just you're so in the moment it's very meditative because you can think about what you're doing and if you feel like one area is taken over too much you can ask them like oh why is that happening you have 400 meters to do it with multiple drops like so um yeah i just i just felt that you, you learn an awful lot through it and it's something that like i can now kind of incorporate with other people just because you know i always think that like in terms of programming and everything it's nice to it's important to have been there and done that so you can yeah. explain the feel and so on. So um, I was, I'm trying to get my dad to, to kind of take over. Like we have a few light uh, D balls that would work, but he's slow to do it. 
Um, but overall, yeah, really, really fun. And I'm delighted they did it. Onwards and upwards with it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how the body reverts to the point of least resistance, isn't it? Like it just goes to where not necessarily if it's going to be good for the body it might encounter a little bit of pain as, as a result but it goes to the place that is easiest to accomplish the task i was just thinking there as well when the missus goes deep into the pregnancy period maybe it might be good to bring the sandbag out and suffer there alongside her um just to get you out of a little bit of the um absolutely the yeah. nice part of it yeah you're, you're not you're not the first man to say that like i have neighbors watching me every day like so um are you having yeah. a baby or is she is what you're asking i'd say yeah yeah exactly like what came first but yeah it's, it's great like you know the whole psychological side as well of, of output which coaches resort to a lot i think particularly in you know lower level rugby and, and even cross for this like you know how hard how fast can you go but it's a safe way of doing so mm. because it's such low skill yeah. so and it, you know, it, a great thing it just teaches you how to brace you know it's actually crazy how many people struggle to have that initial brace on a squat or a deadlift or a bench or whatever it is like so put a sandbag in their hands and the, jo- the job is done brace or fall yeah. over yeah yeah, yeah. And, and like if you're shrugging at all you're not going to last you know what i mean so it's really great for that upper back development lats and pecs as i said and your grip so what my lower back would have been the limiting factor and then turn into my to my grip strength so like you know in terms of learning curves like not that not that not that i didn't not that it didn't help my grip strength in a sense but like that's just what pretty much goes first now and lastly like you're breathing heavy after a 400 meter carry like you know so um it's just a mint aerobic stimulus as well like and, and even on rest days you know if you just feel like you need to do something it's just a great thing to get out there and just pick it up and even just hold it for two or three minutes and see how long you can hold it for i know i'm blabbing on here now but like you're not everything... that's what podcasts are for yeah, yeah it's all right um but it was interesting never... as well isn't it billy that like not enough people nowadays, especially in performance-based kind of training and in SNC, not enough people get that aerobic stimulus regularly. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's, we're it's, focused it's, on the trees without looking at the forest, I suppose. Um for sure. to, to manipulate that saying in the best way that I can. <laughs> but like we're focused on uh we're focused on our speed, our power development, our anaerobic system, whereas the lowest yeah. hanging fruit is the aerobic system. So even yeah. if it's once every two weeks, even if it's only once a, once a month, if we look at trainer residuals, just to get a hit on it, there's yeah. benefit for not just athletes, but for general population, it's the lowest hanging fruit for everything. Absolutely. I think it's maybe one of the uh, benefits that came from the whole 5K run slash side of things during, during COVID, you know, is that people actually would have built an aerobic base and have the, have the capacity to be able to express those outputs then if they are in, ter- in terms of, sports on the field or whatever it is so but yeah i think it's um, the problem with it is that if people just hang their hat in that side of things then you know what i mean yeah, so exactly. just trying, to, trying to find the happy medium like absolutely like build build a base and it's so easy to maintain them you know it's like as you said 30 days within the month just make sure that you keep it ticking over and um, and that's how i feel the sandbags would have done great work for me as well because I, i'd only do tempos once a week i do my speed maybe we do some short axles before um, our tempos on, on a Sunday. And then the speed work would be on, on Tuesday evenings at training. So you're, 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 you're ticking all the boxes there, really, you know, obviously from an amateur rugby point of view, but, you know, yeah. it, it, it all absolutely adds up. So definitely carries, 
unbelievable aerobic stimulus. And also, like, if you're injured from a rehab point of view as well, like, depending on what it is, it could even be, you know, um, you know, if you pull hip flex or whatever, just pick it up and hold it. Or, you know, there's so many ways. Isometrics, essentially. A hundred percent. Like, there's so many ways to go about it. And, and that's where creative creativity comes into it. So um, I think you might have said it before. Did I see a post recently where your imagination is the only limiter? So that was not me. I'm not intelligent enough to come up with that. <laughs> it, was, it was somewhere. It was somewhere on my feet. On my feet, anyway. But um, yeah. Overall, like so, just, thumbs up then. Overall, thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. I have to get a heavier. I actually got a heavier sandbag. I just have to fill it. So I have a seventy kilo one now, and I can only imagine what that's what that's going to do to me. So we'll find out over next. I fill it up on the beach now when I get down there to carry. But I look forward to getting my hands on that. You know. Yeah. Well, speaking of carries, there's a few men down in South Africa carrying the weight of four nations on their shoulders. Do you like how I segued that in there? That was amazing. I, I'll give myself a pat on <laughs> the back there. But uh, what, is, what is your prediction for the weekend? Oh, man, it's like, you know, we're, as you said, armchair analysts, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. So what's my prediction? Like, I, I do think it will be close. Like... I think it will be magical and a special moment in sport if they do do it. So, like, I just have this premonition of Finn Russell coming on and doing his thing, you know? I don't know why. Um, it'd be, like, and the, much of, the, much, the amount of stick that the Lions have gotten so far, like, the whole series, I don't think, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm actually into it, like, you know? I think, I think we're all watching. We're all listening mm. out about it. So, like, I think just people, you know, love to, they love to hate in a sense, like, but... Yeah, I'm thinking it'll be close. Hopefully a moment of magic. Um, and the whole fact that, like, did South Africa reach that peak performance last week and the emotional come down off it, like, hopefully. And Fafta Clark being out uh, is massive. Like, he's involved in every single yeah. um, component of that game. Even, like, having a, a smile at Van der Mew the other day, which was one of the most irritating things you'd see in sport, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but even Love those kind of, like, small battles that he won't be there for now, I think, will have a big impact on the overall game. What do you think? It's, it's amazing, isn't it? You just touched on it there. It's amazing how the result reflects how people uh, review kind of the performance. Whereas I, I'm glad that, I know you mentioned off the ball earlier, I'm glad that Bod was a voice of reason during the week when he said the first half for the Lions wasn't actually that bad. And other yeah. people were saying like, this is the end of the world. They're, they're awful. Like, why didn't they change the game plan? Why would they have changed it? They may have benefited from having some sort of a plan B or a plan C as well, mm. rather than when plan A isn't working. But if yeah. they won the week before, why would Gatlin say, right, we're going to change everything completely when we win? Um, yeah. And I thought that in the first half, they were varying their play very, very well. And the South Africans were dealing with it, but they were still under pressure. It was in the second half when the Lions kind of became, they were under a lot of pressure as they started to chase the game, that they mm. started reverting to... Well, Bigger started reverting to what he was told, I suppose, in that sky the ball up there and yeah. the hope for the best. But I think that it all depends on the style that the Lions bring out this weekend. So if they go and try and play a little bit more now, it's South Africa, so you still need to dominate them up front, obviously. But I think in the first game, in the second half of the first game, when they move them around a bit, half the South Africans were locked in a room for two weeks. So that's going to take a, a toll on your fitness like. In all yeah. aspects, I know they'll be doing their best, but it's damage limitation, I suppose. And at the top level, when they say, oh, the will to win, it's never comes down to the will to win at that level. 
It's how you can execute and perform to your best and perform the game plan. So whatever happens, as you said, I think it's going to be a very, very enjoyable game. And I am happy that Peter Steph de Toy and uh, Faf de Klerk are out as well, obviously for the Lions' sake. And I'm glad to see Liam Williams and Josh Adams in as well and given their chance because two fantastic players who didn't really do a whole pile wrong but still haven't got a chance. I was interested, I was arguing with myself on my solo podcast during the week about the Finn Russell kind of debate. And I was like, do you start him or do you bring him on? Because, right, when you bring him on, they're tired. But if you bring him on and you're chasing the game, is he going to be the best person? If you, if you bring him on, you're winning the game, is he going to be the best person to do that? But if you bring him on, you're chasing the game, he's going to be fantastic to have there. So... It's- it's yeah, but sure, that's why we're in the armchairs and we're not over the field. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conundrum. Um, I'd love to see him get a run, man. Like, I, I, I would have loved to see Marcus Smith, like, just being a yeah. bolter as well and perhaps getting the, getting the goal. And it would have been very Gatland as well, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's, we'll see what happens. Go on. It's weird, like, though, as well, that Louis Samuel was obviously playing well and Marcus Smith, and this is a totally irrational opinion of mine that is stupid but it comes down to it I'm looking at that game and like last week and I'm like this is no place for adolescence I know they're in their 20s but like you're just thinking this is this is proper like man stuff like the hits that were going in were absolutely crazy like it was it's it's actually a spectacle, like isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's it's so phenomenally impressive. Where you know you know when you're you almost feel the exhaustion, like you're like how do they how are they surviving that? And to do it for an hour of the first half as well. Now, but like yeah, that's what I love about the box. Like it's that is the physical. Like it's it can't be understated. Like you know. Mm-hmm. But I was listening as well to a, I can't remember his name, but he was on off the ball and he did speak about like the size differences between the box and the the rest of the nations aren't aren't no. it's, it's it's not the determining factor like it's the, the fact that the box don't you know do they give up no they you don't never see them taking a backward step and so on there's always that enforcer but i think the likes of tom curry in that back row, how they've stood yeah. up to to these enforcers like even alawin jones and, and yeah. Elizabeth the other day it's like you wouldn't necessarily you wouldn't always see Elizabeth like being held on to for that long you yeah. know but there was no give so like it's just when you hear these guys who are the best in the world at what they do getting slated you're kind of going yeah. like you know this yeah. you kind of zone out in a sense like don't you it's like yeah. that's always what I say as well in that we can always have our preferences for the team and what team he puts out there but every single player that he puts out is a world-class player world-class, so the yeah. difference is aren't in terms of their own their own ability. It's the difference in what they bring to the table and the style that the team is going to play to. So hopefully mm. they can go out and do it. Um, I think that they, they can, like, to be honest. I think they, like, if you look on the tour as a whole, they haven't been playing bad. And I think the really good thing, aside from all this kind of media shite going on between Rassi and Warren that's really juvenile and childish, the really good thing is, remember at the start of the tour when everybody was saying, oh, I probably won't even watch it. Like there's no yeah. crowds, like there's no point. It's all we can talk about now. Like so, fantastic, like that it's going ahead. Okay. I know you're heading off to Kerry soon. So we're going to go into um, quick fire questions to finish. So first <laughs> one is proudest achievement to date. <laughs> you know, it's like you're, I'm rattling, you're rattling your brain to see like your achievements. <laughs> yeah. But overall, it's kind of like just not settling, not settling like on, on one thing. So like, for, for me, when I'm in a role or in the past, when I've been in a role, I, you know, I can tell quite soon like that I'm 
where I want to go or like if I'm going to stay here and so on. So it's like just taking, just getting out of what you don't want to be in. Um, I think by doing so, you, you eventually find where you want to be. And I'm, I'm extremely happy in my role now at the moment. So yeah, in short, it's just like not settling, you know? Unreal. Favorite athlete of all time? I have a list. I have a list of them, PD. So like... You can give me three or you can give me five or whatever you want. Um, I'm going, I'm going uh, Usain Bolt for his, his attitude, Rafael Nadal for his, his drive, um, Johnny Wilkinson for everything. Oh, stop the lights, will you? I'm getting him on this podcast eventually. Fucking, I, I, I will be, I will be, I want to, I want in on that one as well, if you wouldn't mind, if we just do a split screen. Um, I, you know, I'm a, a huge fan, Tiger Woods and his class uh, on the course. Um, Luke Fitzgerald was always a favourite of mine. I just think he's the most talented rugby player you know, I will fight his corner to the very last. Like, you know, I just think just to see him in action was just so unique in terms of like what he could do with a with a ball. But like, he was just electric and just ferocious what he did. Um, and just more recently then, I took a liking to Bonucci and the Italian soccer team for his style one. But like, just, I don't know, his aura on the pitch. Like, I think he, he's pretty slick as well. So that'll be my current list anyway. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, it changes. It's a dynamic moving yeah, kind absolutely. of list always. Right. <laughs> Favorite rugby player or moment of all time? You've already said Johnny Wilkinson. So, what's your favorite moment then? Yeah, actually, my, my favorite player is Raj, one hundred percent. Number two, he's on my list as well. Yeah, like like how how would how would you not love that man for everything he's done for the country and sport and as a whole? And um, and the moment is two thousand six semi final against Leinster, handing off Mallow Kelly and hopping over the turnstile. <laughs> that was fucking class. So. Yeah, definitely that moment stands out for me. Unreal. Two two savage autobiographies as well, Johnny's and uh, Rogers. Johnny Wilkinson's and, and Rogers. They're two unbelievable autobiographies. Yeah, Rogers. I haven't I haven't read Johnny, so I'll put that on the list. Oh um, man, get Johnny's. It's just like the goal, is it? Oh mate, it's unbelievable. Like the way his, his thought patterns work is just it's so interesting. Like yeah, um, that, that was clear on the high performance my, podcast. Yeah. My problem was that I tried to use it as a Bible when I was a young lad. <laughs> and talk <laughs> about balance, there was no balance. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Favorite obscure footballer or footballing moment? Um, again, more recently, it was Jorginho's penalty against Spain in the Euros. Yeah. I think that was one of the slickest moments of sport. You know what I mean? Like how, how we had the balls to do that like was just amazing so um, and the, the worst part was it didn't replay it on the night like so you're there going through YouTube for the days following so Jorginho's penalty against against Spain um, Beckham's free kick against Greece yeah and of course Aguero's goal against QPR to win the oh, league man, I remember that lost that was crazy like that's was like crazy. that was like a movie like that happened. it was it was exactly like I, I think no matter if you would never watch a game of football in your life just the, the how erratic the world went. Like, yeah. you know, it, was, yeah. it was phenomenal. So they're the Didn't the game at Old Trafford finished early and then they yeah. crossed over to the other and they were all kind yeah. of celebrating and then all of a sudden word came through and it was like, oh. Yes. I remember there was there's clips actually. It was like Sir Alex Ferguson on the pitch in Old Trafford, kind of when yeah. the war did break, and yeah. it was like his world fell apart, like which it pretty much did. Yeah. So um, yeah, unbelievable. Now I wouldn't be a big soccer guy in any stretch of imagination, but that always stands out for me when sport is, you know, when, when the topic is of conversation is sport. Yeah. We've been blessed this summer with the quality of sport that's been on TV as yeah. well, especially as yeah. things are kind of opening up. 
like you haven't been able to miss it as well like which has been great but but i haven't i i don't prescribe to this stuff about rugby being boring now to be honest yeah um i like that's where we're at and just because this was my point in my post yesterday just because you're kicking the ball doesn't mean it's boring like two south african tries came from kicks does that mean that was boring no it was audacious both uh, playing well high risk and high reward and that's what we got so hmm. I think in terms of throwing back to the Lions if they can vary that kicking game rather than just going it, it'll have pay big dividends hopefully right who's yeah. going to play yourself in Billy O'Regan the movie <laughs> I go with Owen Wilson oh yeah my, my best friend Durham always, always let me know that I was like Owen Wilson I don't know I took it as a bad a good or a bad thing but look we'll go with it anyway so he'd be he'd be my he'd be playing he'd be playing me yeah cool guy <laughs> as well uh right being the working in the food side of things this might be a little bit of a plug but what meal or food are you loving at the moment by far and away it's uh, breakfast porridge uh, vanilla protein cinnamon and more peanut butter than you can imagine is that sets me up for like I'd say fucking eight hours, like you know, you'd yeah. be stopped after it. But um, that's my goal too, yeah, for sure. That's my number one as well. Before I go yeah. out on the course for golf, great, uh, because the lads always when you're on the back line is oh, I'm starving, and I go, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's when you capitalize, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a bother on me. Um, yeah. that's being in the know as well. So this is one that I'm really interested in. Artists you've been listening to a lot recently. Well, like, I expect a few of these coming up in your tune of the day now over the yeah, next two weeks. 100%. Um, I'm, I'm a massive Noel Gallagher fan, oh. both on and off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I love that man. He's, like, talk about a realist. Um, I love London Grammar. Yeah. Um, bon money. Iver. Yeah. And, and uh, last but definitely not least is Talos. I don't know if you've heard of no, heard Talos. Of He's actually an artist from Cork. And he's worth checking out because his stuff is just gold. That's all kind of well. I don't know about Talos, but the rest of it is cut, it's running with a bit of a bit of a theme, isn't it? That Pretty much, yeah. Are yeah, you always kind of, in that kind of genre? Indie style. Well, like you're never on the sandbags. Good. We got we got a bit of a different kind of uh, yeah, showing every day. Absolutely, it's very much varied. Like, um, but look, that would be probably my like add in add in Jay Z and, and Kanye there, and that's pretty much my playlist. Um, I think anyway, you know, not much else is coming to mind there. But like all these, like these new rappers and the, the J Coles and, and whatever else, I just wouldn't be and like Dua Lipa even. All like, I hear, I hear they're they're huge. Like I'm like, fuck, I'm, am I getting, you know, am I really out of touch? Like, but yeah, I just I stick to what I love. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. That's the best way. I, yeah. I was the best compliment ever paid to me, and I'm not even <laughs> sure it was a compliment. Was about my mu- <laughs> my music taste. I was told. It was by an English lady, quite eclectic. Eclectic, okay. Yeah. Well, you did you did mention that to me a few weeks ago as well, and it does it does feel good when you're told your music taste is up there, like so. Good, yeah, hundred percent. Right. <laughs> Have you had the time to read any books lately? Yeah, it helps me sleep. Um, yeah. So, like, I I'd usually watch YouTube on on a Friday or Saturday night, but otherwise, it's it's reading. Like, um, helps me sleep way better. So. The, the best book I've read in, in recent times would be The Power of the Subconscious Mind by an author called Joseph Murphy, who I only found out at the very end of the book. He's from Cork. Um, but so he of course, it's the best book in the world, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, he 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 lived. I thought he was an American man because he lived in the states for most of his life, um, and that's where he became most known. But if you've if you've ever ever read The Secret, it's mm-hmm. basically a, a less commercialized version of that. Um, yeah. And I just found you know it was a page turner, and and you can start applying those things in the book to your life straight away, and they make a great difference you know, in terms of mindset and so on. So that would definitely be up there. Um, I'm reading uh, Agassiz's biography at the moment, which is just crazy. crazy. It's crazy. Like, it's it's crazy. actually crazy. Like Another good man for the podcast, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I I, like, I'm well networked enough, but I'm also a little bit more realistic as well at times. <laughs> you know, like I'm not that well networked. Um, well, if, if you can get your hands on Charlie Wilkinson, you know, like... There's no limits. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, he's the pinnacle anyway, so I won't need, the podcast will be over after that. That'll be <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, drop. <laughs> yeah, right. What's the yeah. biggest thing you've learned in the last 12 months? Um, how quickly life can change. Like that, like be it for a positive or, or, or negative, like, but, you know, from positive sense, definitely like um, most things that are achievable. Like if you want it, you know what I mean? Like like exploring like do you really want it like by taking action i think you find out pretty quick like so um yeah that'd be that'd be the main two things i suppose the importance of downtime as well i find it hard not to do anything like that's more stressful for me than trying to do too much like and i don't and by no means am i trying to blow my own trumpet or anything there but i just i need to be kept ticking over like you know what i mean but I know the importance of just being able to clear your mind. For example, with social media, like I think everybody in the world has some form of fatigue from it right now. And like understandably, it's been such a manic year and we spend most of our times watching screens anyway. But like I'm I'm kind of, I'll try and do every second day off off my phone out this week and just see the differences it makes. And I think you have to be there in some sense, but definitely like I think downtime is completely underrated. Yeah. Not too much of it. 100%. <laughs> have you read uh, Deep Work? I have not. No. no. Get on that one about the social year kind of. I'm reading that at the moment. I'm almost finished. And he's, okay. he chats a good bit about switching off, switching on when you need to switch on and switch off. And that's something that I struggle with as well is just switching right. off from everything. And I think it's because of the age that we're in where you're instantly accessible. So it's notifications yeah. off for everything, probably same as yourself, timers on on certain apps. Like, a little bit of discipline but discipline implies weakness so you don't try to think that way but like <laughs> just you feel so much better when you're off the phone away from the phone and actually I know this is real cliche but actually experiencing life the way that it is mm. um, I like it it's, it's, and um... it's, it's good as well touched on there it's good for guys like us as well to have somebody there to just ground you and tell you just relax switch off you need it absolutely um because my my girlfriend hates instagram really like she's not really on it or anything like that and if she just sees me like it got to a point where i'd have my phone in my hand and she'd be like you know slapping out of it like and yeah you need that as well but definitely from like like brain fog is a real thing like i talked about it with one of the girls in work who hates it as well and it's like you just know then you're tipping over you know that's a good a good sign for me when you're missing your words or you're skipping out and more, you know what I mean? You can't, for example, like right now, it's like trying to explain how you, how you feel. Like, so I think putting the phone sure, away. We're men, we're men, Billy. We can't explain how we feel anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but definitely like I did a week off my phone during COVID. Uh, it was, it was actually five days off Instagram and like it was, the world was a brighter place, you know? So yeah, it is a lot to be said for it. 
you need to understand why you're using it as well like are you yeah. using it purely for marketing or are you using it to kind of just take your mind off something or just fill time and use it yeah. in a healthy way but the last yeah. question then before we round this up is the one we that i always finish on what would you tell your 18 year old self yeah i love this it's um and i was only chatting to my mom the other day about like the one thing so i suppose i kind of killing two birds with one stone here the one thing i'm going to tell my baby boy from a young age is just the, the the power of of positive self-talk you know what i mean it's like it can it can literally change your morning it can change your afternoon whatever it is when like even on a golf course a great example right like compartmentalizing like detaching yourself it's like to do that because there's another book as well oh, the name escapes me now but it's like the science of confidence or something but anyway he talks to Padraig Harrington and when he was when he won the open um, in 2007 I believe it was and he doffed his last couple of shots on like the 17th and 18th hole or maybe the 16th 17th and coming up the 18th then his caddy just kept repeating to him you're the best chipper and putter golf has seen you're the golf yeah. kept repeating and like you know, he, he went on and won it. There. He went on and won it. And like coming from the place where Patrick Harrington himself and everybody else in the world thought he had blew it and then winning it and going home in the, they were going home to the hotel that night, wherever they were staying. And um, Patrick Harrington said to his caddy, um, you know, including me and everybody else thought that the open was blown. Um, except for you saying to his caddy, like, and his caddy said to him, I thought you blew it too. So to have that, like, to have that sentence just being repeated in your mind, like, and just, I just think there's this huge power to it. Like, you know what I mean? It's not delusional either. Like, it's no. like, just, it just really helps you just keep the main thing, the main thing and just see the good. When you have a bad shot, sometimes you, you feel like you're the worst golfer in the world. And when you have a good one equally, I've cracked it. I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> Straight to the pros with me. Um, well, it's the, bad, it's the bad ones that keep you coming back though, you know? Exactly. So, but that's definitely one like where I have to get better as where I don't know where I read it, but it's detaching yourself from the golf shot. It's a skill. It was actually on Instagram the other day as well. Of course, the second was, but like, like to actually actively practice, you know, like when it occurs, like it will happen multiple times over, like whenever we're playing next. And I look forward to practicing that. Like, so, you know, hopefully there will be one or two bad shots now that I can practice it. <laughs> 100% and hopefully there's a lot of good ones as well sounds yeah. like you're flying at the moment I really appreciate you coming on it's been really insightful great chat very enjoyable and we <laughs> flew through it so I'll let you go and enjoy Kerry and thanks again for coming on you're a gen thanks for having me I really appreciate it and I'd love to do it again whenever um, and I wish you all the best as well you're doing great things